my worst enemy The flesh that's covering me Brings me down to my knees Welcome to Sermons in the Park a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hey, Johnny. What I miss can mean a sick horse is gonna get us, huh? It's quoting the Bible. Revelations. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. So, again, I want to apologize for not continuing Genesis again this week or being on video. Um, I'm still trying to work on all my notes. My, what I'm trying to do is have all my notes on Genesis finished because we're so close to the end before we finish it. And that way I can get to work on Daniel because that is the one that, uh, you all seemed to, uh, want me to do next. Um, so, so let's, uh, go ahead and get, do like we always do, bow our heads and Thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts that he's given us. Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you again today and say thank you. Thank you for all the gifts you've given us in our lives, our life itself, our breath that we were able to wake up this morning and go about our day, the, the gift of friendships, the gift of love from our spouses and our children and our families, from you, all the stuff that we have, food, water, air, all of it's a gift from you. And we just, we want to say thank you because we do not thank you enough. And we're, we wish, I wish we could. I wish we all did. We took the time throughout our day when we have something going on just to stop and say thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, because, you know, uh, like I said, I'm I'm trying to finish my notes i i got to thinking to myself what would be one that would uh be a fitting filler um for today and i was thinking you know at work you know, uh, yesterday i was reading through a chat um group that i'm in and i saw one of my one of the members a good friend of mine was uh talking about um, well, the episode, the subject of today's episode, uh, he was talking about, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse because he had been having nightmares about them. So I thought to myself, why not devote an episode to just talking about them a little bit more? Because when I went, when I was going through revelations, I don't think I spent a lot of time on them and why not just do that today? You know, let, let's try to answer some questions that you may have about them or you may know someone has about them. And maybe the answers I give you here today will help you uh, 
talk about them when they're brought up. Um, questions like, what does it even mean? M- meaning the four horsemen of the apocalypse. What is, what is the, what do they mean? You know, uh, why does God use horses? And, and with that question, why is it four? You know, why isn't it six or eight or three or four? Well, you know, whatever. Why is it got to be four? Why are they allowed to bring things like deception, suffering, and death? Now, as a child, I would I remember hearing about the four horsemen all the time. You know, uh, I was a wrestling fan growing up. And uh, being from the South, you know, WCW, World Championship Wrestling, was a big part uh, of my growing up. And, and being in a religious family, I actually loved the fact that one of the biggest bad guy factions in WCW was named after the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And, and you see them mentioned in things like movies and, and television shows, you know, books. You see, you see them mentioned everywhere. People who may, may not even know about the Bible know about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And that's interesting. It's very interesting because... If you were to take your King James and flip through it, you'll never find that phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, anywhere inside of it. Over time, um, I believe what happened was this just became a shorthand. And this shorthand was attached to those four horses and their riders that we read about when uh, Jesus opens the uh, the first four of the seals. Uh, one thing that I believe that I forgot to mention when I was covering Revelations was this. When you look at those four seals, you're going to notice that they're right in line with the global disasters that, that Jesus mentions in the uh, what's called the Mount Olivet Prophecies that you can find in, chap- in Matthew chapter 24, um, Luke chapter 21, and uh, I believe Mark chapter 13, I believe. Um, the four horsemen, they each represent a different global calamity that's going to fall on the world before the great day of the Lord. You know, that w- when God's wrath uh, against sin is unleashed. So this leads a lot of people to ask the question, why are they horses? Right? Out of all the animals that God can choose, why is it horses? Why isn't it birds? Well, I think the, the answer to this is actually quite simple. Because um, you probably remember when we were going through, through Judges, but when you look at the Bible as a whole, what you'll see is that horses are, or, um, are mostly used for war. You know, in verses like, I'm just going to nitpick a couple here. Exodus chapter 14, verse 9, where we read, But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of the Pharaoh, of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamping by the sea beside, I'm going to butcher this word, but Behiroth before Bazalphon. And then if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 to 16, you'll read this. When thou art come unto the land which is the which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me, 
thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, <coughs> sorry, which is not thy brother, but he shall not multiply horses to him, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return in no way, I'm sorry, return no more that way. So um, let us look, okay? How, what this does is it lets us know one thing. I'm going to back myself up on that one because I was going to keep going. Let's just let us know. It lets us know that they were chosen in Revelation, okay, for a reason. They were chosen to symbolize an army, an army who is uh, fast-paced, who is warlike. Okay, that's why horses. So, but again, that makes me ask the question, why is it four of them? Uh, like I was saying, why isn't it six? Why isn't it eight? Why not 10? Why not two? So I want you to think about this because we have a phrase that we still use today. And that's, that phrase is the four corners of the world. This phrase actually comes from the Bible. We see it in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12. This is actually where that phrase came from. In this, this phrase, in, the, in, in Isaiah we read, And he shall, set up an, he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. We actually see this phrase repeated in Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. And after these things, I saw what? Read it. Four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. And the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, many scholars, they believe, and, and I agree with them, that this is not saying the world is flat. Because there are a lot of people who will try to use this phrase to say, well, see, it says the world's flat. But that's not what it's meaning. What this is doing is it's speaking about the, the directions of a compass. We have north, south, east, and west. There's your four corners. So when you think about that, the fact that there are four horsemen you know, four horses with riders. They're all distinct. This most likely is symbolic. Symbolic of the curses that, that bring, you know, that they bring down on the earth. And that these, the, that these uh, curses are a global catastrophe. So what we're going to do now, we're going to, let's, let's take a moment and we're going to look at each one of the riders. And you know what? Since we're doing it that way, let's just do it in order. We'll start with the first writer that we read about. We read that he is carrying a bow and he's, he's wearing a crown on his head. We see that he's riding a white horse. 
So look at all of that together, okay? And we're going to break it down a little bit at a time here. The crown, the crown is symbolic. His crown represents that he has power, power to go and conquer. Let's read the verse, Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he was and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Jesus told us what all this symbolism means. That's right. Look at Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read verses 4 to 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So with that right there, you can see that this first horseman, he, he represents something. that And that is deception, right? Religious deception, like we see today, on a grand scale. I want you to notice that we don't. Re he's carrying a bow, but we don't read any. Uh, we don't read about any arrows. Why? Because he's not conquering in that way. He's conquering the hearts of the people. This is a bloodless conquering. He does it with lies, with deceit. Many people, including myself, say, I, I've caught myself saying many, many times as, as growing up, the greatest trick the devil made was making, making people believe that he does not exist. But the more I've studied, the more I read, I'm going to offer you a different one. How about this one? How about how he comes to us and he presents himself as righteous? You see, the devil's goal is simple. He wants to trick us. He wants us to obey him, to worship him and not God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. This is what we read there. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing that if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And let's look at another verse. Let's look at um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 3 to 4. It reads like this. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. And that is worshipped. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Okay? Now, we've talked about the first writer. So, let's go and look at the second one. We read that he has the authority to take peace away from the earth. Right? That 
He rides a red horse. Revelation 6, 4, we read, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat up thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So what do we know? We know that this one, this rider right here, is the one that we most all know is war. And what we see is that he he causes people to kill one another. Let's look at what Jesus has to say on this one. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, so that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. So, let's look at what we've got. We've got the first horseman. The first horseman, he brings deception. Deception on a massive scale, convincing people to turn against God like we've seen today. People are more hateful to God now than they've been in a very long time. As long as I can remember, I'm 42. Right? So think about that. Deception on the scale that we're talking about here. This will lead people to do what? Just like we see today. Fighting. Arguing. The lies that the devil tells. He uses these against us. And what he tends to do is he, he, he leans on our, our self-righteousness. Our self-righteous beliefs, our our prejudices. Kind of like exactly what I said, what we see today in the media. Where people are more worried about, about race and things like that than they are about people as a whole. We're not divided races, we are one people, one race. When you look at mankind as a whole, the reason that we tend to create things is to try to justify our own superiority over other people. And what does that lead to? Bloodshed, war, things like that. So let's look at the third horseman. Because we see that these two are tied together so close, right? So what about the third horseman? Well, we read that he's doing what? He's holding a balance in his hand, and he's riding a black horse. Let's read. Revelations chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. And three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt, and see thou hurt not the oil, and the wine. We've talked about the, the the whole oil and wine thing before, right? So let's look at the parallel that Jesus gives in the Olivet prophecies. Matthew chapter twenty four verse seven: For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. 
And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. This horseman right here, the one we're reading about. If you can't tell by reading this verse what he is, uh, I'm sorry for you because it's easy to see. This is famine. A famine that brings hunger and starvation on a very large scale. When we read this verse, we need to bear in mind that a silver coin at that time, that was a whole day's wages if you were a laborer. So what we read here is that in the end times, you'll have to work a whole day just to be able to buy food to to survive. And that's just for yourself. So, breaking it down again, what do we see? We have the first horseman, deceit on a world stage. The second horseman, war. So, the the deceit on a world stage leads into war. And anybody who's lived through wars can tell you that what comes, what are one of the consequences of war? Throughout human history, we've seen it. After war, we have famines, a lot of famines on, the, on large scales. So here we are, we're on the last horseman, the one that you've probably been waiting for, and we're here, the fourth horseman. What does the Bible tell us about this, per, this particular horseman? A lot, right? He's riding a pale horse. The pale horse is... With my with a little bit of research I've done and and heard other people talk about, this was most like the color is most likely a pale green or greenish, if you will. The, because when you look at that word in the Greek, the one that's translated here to pale is the Greek word chloros. Uh, you can look that in Strong's G five five one five. And when you look at the Strong's, you see that this is green. Why? Because we see that same word in different verses, and it's translated to green. Mark chapter 6, verse 39 says, And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. The green there in that verse is chloros. And then in Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, It says, the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all green grass was burnt. Again, the green there is chloros. Revelation chapter 9 verse 4 says, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God on their foreheads. Again, green there is chloros. So we know who this writer is as well, don't we? We actually get a name for this one. And his name is Death. Let's read Revelation 6, 8. And I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that set on him was Death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So, again, this one led me down a rabbit hole 
Um, so I'm going to share a little bit about what I came up with you. Why is he green? Why is this horse green? And I think that's because of the symbolism of death here. You see, when somebody has a pale complexion and they, and they die, their, their skin tends to uh, turn to a pale or, or greenish color in about 15 to 20 minutes after they died. And this happens because, because of the blood leaving their skin after the circulatory system shuts down. Anyway, this writer that we read, we read he's given authority to kill 25% of the population. Brothers and sisters, that is the biggest harvest of death up until this point. I want you to remember, Jesus said that if he did not return, all human life would cease to exist. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 and 22. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this, to this time nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Why? Why does God allow these four horsemen to ride on the earth? Again, this is a simple understanding if you read your Bible if you pay attention to what you're reading. During the end times, the hearts of man will, will be so hardened against God that it takes something like this. It takes the suffering that these four horsemen bring on the, the planet to soften the hearts of these people. And this softening of their hearts leads to repentance. If you want to read more about that, for sure, I ask that you go read Revelation chapter 7. You can get a good understanding of what I'm talking about here. So thank you all for joining me. Again, I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to kind of, again, break down each horseman just a little bit more. I know it's not a lot of information. It's something simple. But I want to thank you all for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep you. I'll see you all soon. God bless you, and I love you. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening. There's joy for the morning. Sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow. Heaven can't heal, earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. So let